Good morning, my name is Matt Phelan. And I'm Jenna Dowling. And we are recording our second episode of Work and Me Humans. We are in a tiny little recording room in our office in London. We're based in Borough Market, which I just Googled, as impressing Jenna, which is uh, the, first, the first food market in London in 1014, which is still, still going today. It's very hipster now, isn't it? very expensive um so we're in between borough um and the shakespeare's globe if you do come to london make sure you visit um we are 36 days away from brexit if brexit happens yeah exactly yeah nobody has any idea what's going on with that um but anyway let's um thank you for coming in jana oh good good to be here there's always a lot of confusion whether it's jana or jana yeah i know it's jana (laughs) they've been on record it's jana um, so I just want to first introduce my guest who I met. Can you remember when it was? It was in the summer, wasn't it? Yeah, it was July. I'm not sure exactly which day, but it was definitely July. So it was July 2018. One of our shared friends, uh, Russell McAfee, yeah. um, said, just literally came into my office and just said, you have to meet this person called Jenna. And that was all the context he gave me. I was like, yeah, cool, cool. Jenna messaged me and I said, yeah, I'm free at this time. Um, and my business partner and I, our whole thing has always been you should never have to choose between your career and your family and your friends, whatever that, that looks like. So Jana comes in uh, to what was my office, which was also, what would you call, what would you describe it as? It's a like, play? Yeah, it was like a play area. Yeah, like a play area. So we always had it. So if you um, if you needed, if, if you had issues with childcare, you could still come to work. So Jana comes in and my, what, Fred was about 18 months then? Yeah. So we had a meeting with Fred um, and Jana just told me her story um, and what she was up to and I just immediately wanted to get involved. We've been working together for what, about seven months now? Yeah. Um, and yeah, so we're here. I've learned so much from Jana um, in that period of time and I want to share it, share it with you guys, which is the whole point of this podcast. Working Me Humans is about me introducing you to the people that I meet on my travels and what I learn and sharing that with you. So the best way to um, hear about Jenna is to hear from her. Tell us about yourself, Jenna. Hi. Uh, well, I um, gosh, I'm me. Um, <laughs> I <laughs> I have a kind of interesting story about how I ended up where I am. Um, I used to work in TV um, and fashion publishing, and I used to do a bit of stand-up comedy, and I was very happy doing that. And then I sort of had a very big life event that happened to me where I became very ill. Um, I spent five weeks on the 24-hour watch as a high-risk suicide patient, which was really scary, frightening time for me. Um, and I had quite a lot of things happen to me during that time, I guess. Um, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, which um, when I look back at my life, is kind of quite obvious that I had it. I got put on a course of medication and as I was coming out of my depressive episode, I realised the impact of what had happened to me. It didn't just happen to me, it happened to my friends, my family, my work colleagues. I mean, I literally just didn't show up to work one day. Um, and I, I was, wasn't well enough to work, so instead I took my recovery on like a job. And I started to track everything I was doing um, so that I could understand what was happening in my life and, and the choices I was making and how that was affecting my symptoms at the time so I could recover as quickly as possible. And I used that tracking system um, and I used the data to make decisions in my life because I couldn't always rely on my brain uh, or my emotions. Um, And then I got better pretty quickly. 
Um, I went back to work and then I set up a social enterprise to help other people that were like myself get back into work. So people with mental health issues get back into work. Um, I did that for about a year, um, selling tea and toasties out of a shed. Love that part of the story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted, originally I wanted to set up a cafe and a shop, but I just looked into the finances of it and I was like, this is a black hole for money. You've got to sell a lot of coffee to pay oh, business, business it, rates, haven't you? It was too much. <laughs> so um, instead I went and bought a secondhand panini machine from the basement of a pub um, for 80 quid. And I got myself a free shed space in East London and I started selling tea and toasties out of a shed. Um, and I hired anyone that had a mental health issue that wanted a job and I basically paid them for their time. Um, and I worked with them, I taught them my tracking system. It was freezing because it was, it was two years ago and I was freezing in December so um, it was very cold in the shed. So <laughs> I, I was like, this is not good for our physical health, never mind our mental health. And so I went and knocked on the local WeWork door, which is like a shared office space. Um, there's quite a few of them around London and they let me, sh- they let me sell to their clients um so I was inside and warm I didn't know that that's cool that's yeah, really yeah. Cool. Uh, and we sold around all the different WeWorks they let me go into all the different WeWorks which was really cool um and then I built a course which I teach for free um and basically I had the tracking system which is on a piece of paper and I was teaching all these people and helping them get back into work and the only way I was making money was by doing inspirational talks about my experience and um little training sessions for people who did have money that wanted to learn more about mental fitness and what I was teaching. Um, and then Russell came to one of those and he was like, this is awesome. You need to turn this tracking ah, system. So he was at one of your talks? Yes. Right. Yes. Um, but I'd met him previously. I knew him previously. And, um, and he was like, this is, you need to turn this into an app. And I was like, I know, but I don't know anyone <laughs> that does that. Um, and you need to turn this into a business. And I was like, I know, but I don't know how to do that. And then he introduced me to you. Cool. So um, I, I was going to have some fun questions, but also there was one bit I just wanted to ask you there out of interest. You you sort of joked about it. Um, and what just so you know, the one of the interesting things of working with Jana on mental health is because she's got her stand-up comedy side. Yeah. She's just making comedy jokes about mental health all the time, <laughs> which I think has to happen one day as a stand-up tour. Yeah. But you said you'd always known you were bipolar and you sort of laughed and said all your friends always knew. What yeah. does that mean and, that, and, and what age are you talking from? Well, um, really weirdly, uh, having spoken to my mum and some of her friends after being diagnosed, my, uh, some of my mum's friends said um, to me, you know what, your mum used to come to us when you were about eight years old and she used to cry because she said, she's just so sad and I don't understand why. Your mum said that about you? Yeah. At what age? Was when she... I was about eight. Eight. Yeah, and she was like, I just don't understand why she gets so sad. Yeah. Um, and I only found that out a couple of months ago, and I was like, oh my gosh, you know, it's actually gone back. But if you look at my life, or if I look back at my life, I've made questionable choices. But my... my... Isn't that part of life? <laughs> I know. Well, I've always had loads of fun. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I haven't really had much um, time in my life where I've sustained things for over a long period of time. I've had a lot of ups and downs, and... Um, I actually managed to find work around the pattern of my life. So I was in project work, so I worked in telly. So we'd work really hard for three months and produce a live TV show where you'd go out live on telly every other day and it was just madness. And then I would take a couple of weeks off. Um, And actually what I was doing was I was just going up and down and crashing. Um, And now I'm so aware of my bipolar and what happens. I'm very much in control of it. It's not in control of me. Um, so I can really see how that 
has affected my life and my decisions over time. So yeah, I mean, I did a whole, I used to do stand-up, so I did a 20-minute set in Edinburgh about all the bad decisions I've made in my life. Um, and I think quite a few of them might have been when I was manic. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's been kind of funny. But yeah, I think my whole life. So you're saying recognising it so you can understand it and track it is part of a really important thing for anyone who thinks they may have it or yeah. um, have friends saying they, they may um, yeah. be bipolar. Yeah. Well, and it's not just with bipolar, it's just any human. Like We should just know what's going on with our brains. You know, We get hired for our brains. We don't get yep. hired for our bodies. And physical fitness is very much part of having positive, strong mental fitness. Yeah. But it's kind of like we should why why are we not taught about how caffeine affects our brains when we're at school i don't know it just seems to me that we need to understand our patterns our behaviors and how to become as mentally fit as possible yeah and i think this is something i always speak to jenna about which is jenna tells her story but one thing that i've realized from working with her is my business partner and i for 10 years have had a coach who has taught us to listen to our bodies so like how you're feeling and I've realised how much of this stuff they just need to be taught in schools and things like that because Jenna ended up in a really bad place and I think I would have personally ended up in a bad place myself if I hadn't have had coaching and training, which I, I just, that is one of the most fascinating things about building this product with you. Yeah, I think definitely tracking and understanding who we are, we just don't pay that much attention to it. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's why we built what we've built, so there's a tool that's really easy for you to do it. Yeah. You just push the buttons and it's there. Also, just quickly, because again, we haven't even got to the fun questions, and we're. Yeah. But Sorry. I, I actually want to just say something to employers um, and investors, because I, I invested in um, Jana, and knowing her background. But um, when we went out to investors, which has um, been very successful, um, we actually had one investor that came back. Um, was it was it New Year's Day or did I imagine that? It was that? on New Year's it was Day. New Year's Day, so we have a little yeah. WhatsApp group. Um, <laughs> And they basically said, I think, uh, they, they basically, I'm paraphrasing, but they yeah. questioned whether Jana should run the business be, uh, with her declared um, mental health background. And I just want to say something that um, as an employer, um, as an, an investor, working with someone who has bipolar or not bipolar or whatever, there is no difference. Yeah. It, it's just, and, it, and it is discrimination in, a, in, in just a different form. So I just want to say that from my personal perspective, which is, you. I mean, we talk about this stuff all the time, don't we? Yeah. But I do think there's a there's a there's an issue and a stigma from investors and from employers worrying about people that have got mental health. So I just want to say that as an employer, as an investor, there is no difference, and it's nothing to be worried about. So just get that bias out of your mind. So anyway, that's just that's just me getting that off my chest. Exactly, <laughs> it's true. Right, let's get there. Some serious questions. Uh, yeah. I'm going to ask you some very binary questions just so the guests get to know you. Yeah. And you and you'll probably hate both ends of this because I know what you're like. <laughs> Abba or Guns and Roses? Guns and Roses. I knew you'd say that. <laughs> Beach or Adventure Holiday? Beach. Oh, I didn't expect you to say that. And um, yeah, I know this is the toughest question. You're going. You're on the desert island. You can only take one film with you. You're going to be there for a hundred years. What films it going to be? Oh my days. Um, <clears throat> Usual Suspects. Oh, great film. So good. I haven't watched that for ages. No, that's good. That's good. Right. Okay, onto the onto the the, the uh, big part of this interview. Yeah. So, I'm going to ask. I'm going to link into my previous guest, Oren Bowman. Mm -hmm. He spoke about 
people who have the fear on a Sunday night, the fear of going to work. We all know what that is. Me saying the word fear is making everyone listen to this fear. But he said, if you have that fear, quit what you're doing. Now, I want to take that on to you. Why do you get up in the morning, Jana? Um, I get up in the morning because I want to help people. Like, I want to... Um, I want to... I guess, I mean, this might sound crazy, but I want to build something that changes the world in some way for good. I mean, I think that that's what I want to leave behind, I guess. I, I'm, it's really simple. I just want to help people. That's amazing. That is amazing. <laughs> and... Um... Yeah, this isn't going to be my next question, but I also, uh, one thing that Jana said to me the other day, which I'm going to call you out on, Jana was like, because I'm a morning person, Jana's an evening person, so I get up and do a run at six o'clock, but I'm in, sometimes in bed by like nine o'clock, it's embarrassing. And Jana was like, oh, I need to learn to be a morning person. I think that's the wrong approach. I think everyone has to find out what their their yeah. natural style is and go for that. So I've never said yeah. that to you, so I'm just calling you out on that. No, I, do, I agree with you. I, I will never be a morning person. You just can't I, do it. I keep trying and it doesn't work. But one of our next guests coming up, Luke Knight, is the same. He just never, never going to be a morning person. He aspires to be one. I'm like, just let it go, man. I'm not an evening person. Um, and I understand that. So I, anyway, that wasn't my question. <laughs> um, you're very passionate about not talking about mental health, but talking about mental fitness. Yes. Uh, and, and when we have a board meeting, you constantly remind everyone that we are not talking about mental health here. We're talking about mental fitness. What is the difference and why are you passionate about that difference? Okay, so mental health, um, every time I do a talk anywhere, the first thing I do is ask the room, what? What are the first words that come to mind when I say mental health? And anyone listening to this, what are the, what are the first words that come to your mind? What I've learned from doing this is the first words that come to mind are diagnosing words. So depression, sadness. Uh, bipolar or you know words that are and and weakness you know like really interesting words but they're all negative words mental health the definition of mental health isn't that the definition of mental health is a person's condition with regards to their psychological and emotional well-being so technically we all have mental health but the stigma that is attached to it is so strong um it's not a fight that i want to take on um, and I think it's very difficult for us to really understand what mental health is when we're not taught about it in the same way we are physical fitness or physical health from, from a young age. So mental fitness is the same thing as physical fitness, right? So Men you're doing, so you're doing a, uh, a, a version of Brexit from mental health. <laughs> is that <laughs> right? Much. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Rather than trying to change the system, you're trying to get out of it and create a new system. Exactly, that right. works better, right? Sorry to talk about Brexit. No, yeah. that's okay. I mean, to be fair, I have limited understanding of what exactly going to happen with Brexit. So I, I'm uh, not sure how much I align to it. But mental fitness is the same thing as physical fitness, okay? We all have it. It goes up and down in all of us, regardless of whether you have a diagnosis or not. Yeah. And it is affected by lifestyle choices, world events, Brexit. Uh, yeah. and I'm going to ban that word from now on. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, life, um, and life experiences. Yeah. So it's mm -hmm. not just about um, whether you've got a mental health issue or whether you've got anxiety or not. This is about, okay how fit is my brain and what is happening to my brain and what what's going up and what's going down um so i guess that was a very not a very um quick way of describing what mental fitness no but you're what you're saying is that people are obsessed with bobby bobby body fitness yes. and they'll spend all the money going down the gym etc yeah. etc but then they won't do the same with their brain 
exactly. and, you, and you're saying that that's what needs to change and the two need to come back together. Exactly. And I guess the main thing also to point out is that, you know, your brain is complex and there are neuroscientists out there, but we don't need to understand all that stuff. Like I didn't, I don't have a degree. I don't, I'm not a mental health care professional, but I really understand how to take care of my brain, which means I get to work at optimum mental fitness all the time, which means I basically get to live my dream every day. I get to achieve everything I want to achieve. I have healthy relationships and stress doesn't really impact me in the way it would had I not been in control of my brain in the way I am. So it is for everyone and it's actually very simple. It's it's almost common sense. It's just not common practice. And I guess that's yep. what I want to start to make happen. No, and I think uh, I read a really interesting article about the, the 10,000 steps, you know, you're supposed to t- 10,000 steps. Apparently that's not based in any... Um, I know your work is based on medical research, but this it, apparently it's not based on any real substantial study. No. But it doesn't mean tracking 10,000 steps to do 10,000 steps a day is a bad thing. Because no. I, I know a lot of people, including my mother, who that's her thing. But that makes her be more active, which is good for her. Yeah, so, and that's actually good for your brain too. Yeah, cool. Um, so next question I want to ask is, what I think a lot of people who've run businesses over the last, 10, 20, 30 years. So we ran a, um, a big marketing agency for 10 years. One of the areas that I feel like we we didn't understand and we let our people down, like I felt like we were like amazing at so much stuff and we looked after our people better than all our competitors, but we just didn't understand what was going on with mental health. And mm. um, it's an area that we wish we had done better. And part of being part of our care for me is to help address that. But let's, let's take... Uh, a CEO right now, they're of a worldwide company, let's take Apple, let's take Facebook, Amazon, all these companies. What do you do? Because what do these CEOs do? I mean, I guess, I mean, that's why we built Arkeo. Um, so what I would say is you need to encourage and empower all of your staff to take control of their mental fitness. Um, and you need to give them a tool that can measure that. And we basically need to start addressing this systemic issue where we're not paying attention to what's going on in our brains and how work is impacting that. Um, and that's about changing the way we, t- we talk about and think about our brains. Um, so if everyone's talking about mental fitness in the same way they talk about physical fitness, like, oh my God, I put on half a stone, I'm going to go on this diet. You yeah. know, oh my God, my brain, you know, my mental fitness has gone down. I need to make sure that I get more sleep or whatever it is that works for you that gets you your brain fitter. Yeah. Um, then we can start to address how people talk about it. Um, and then, you know, that's when you start to tackle the real issue. Because actually, it's not, for me, it's not about the organization taking on the responsibility of everyone's mental fitness. It's not that. I'm responsible for my mental fitness. My CEO is not responsible for my mental fitness. Um, I am. Um, And I think that that's another thing that is very different, or that I talk about that's very different out there, is we're right now, mental health and the way it's being addressed is, oh, we need to be more empathetic, and we need to be more sympathetic, and we need to take care of these poor people that have issues. And I'm like, I don't have... I don't need your sympathy. I don't need your empathy. I mean, great if you're empathetic and sympathetic, that's lovely. Um, <laughs> it is lovely. But um, I don't want somebody who doesn't have empathy to have to change their character for me. Yep. I can do that myself and I can empower myself to do that. 
What's really important in organisations is that there is a very clear mental fitness policy and training around mental fitness so that if you are, if your mental fitness is dropping and you are struggling and you're doing X, Y and Z to try and fix it but it's not working, you can go to your HR team and say, hey, this is my score, it's gone down, I'm trying to fix it, I would like option A and option A as part of the mental fitness policy is I want to drop down to four days a week for a period of a month to try and tackle this issue. Yeah. So basically it's about ensuring that your staff have a clear understanding of how to take care of themselves and their brains. Yeah. They're empowered to do that. And then when things are going wrong and they're not working out well, there is a person you can go to and there's options for you. So you're not going to your HR team going, I don't know what's going on in my life. Everything's collapsing around me help me and then you know the HR person's giving you an hour therapy session which they're not qualified to do you're going there with an issue and you're going there with the answer that you want to take so you're going there with a sort of I know what I want from this I think that's the best explanation of empowerment I've ever heard because people drop empowerment in like it's a sprinkle on a cake sometimes (laughs) don't they (laughs) but that's what you're actually saying is yeah you can go to people ready to have the conversation yeah and i think it is our responsibility to understand ourselves i mean people have taken the tracking system that we've built to gps and used it to get better diagnosis because you're sitting in in front of a gp for six minutes and they're supposed to diagnose you and help you and everyone gets annoyed that all they do is throw pills at you which yes is another different issue but actually if you're going there with a month's worth of data about what's actually happening to you and actually how many hours of sleep you're getting and the food you're taking in and um, you know the symptoms you're experiencing over a period of a month, the GP is going to be able to look at that and say, oh, actually, this is something I've learned about. There's a reason I'm a doctor and that means this. Yeah. So really it's about us taking control ourselves um, and being empowered and, and within an organisation for them to say, here's, here's, here's a support mechanism for you if it's going a bit wrong. Why do you think um, there's a lot of data out there around that like, one of the, the biggest threats for men is, is, is male suicide, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and a lot of the data shows that men are just rubbish at talking about this stuff. Mm-hmm. Why do you think there's that um, gender divide on this? I think just because naturally women talk more and um, I, I just think that it's a cultural thing where it, it, it stems from back in the whatever century where we decided that men went to work and women stayed at home and that sort of where it's come from like you can't I guess emotion is weakness Um, and and it's not actually um, being out of control of your emotions shows low mental fitness Um, and that's the difference Um, and I think that when you start talking about fitness you're actually talking about something that goes up and down Um, and you're not exposing a weakness you're just exposing a position that you're in like I know a lot of men who um, you know put on a lot of weight or drink too much and then they realize they're doing that and they change that and that but that's okay to talk about but it's not okay to talk about the fact that you know you're under pressure the company's you know maybe not going the direction it needs to go in you've got to pay your 50 staff thousand staff how many staff and that that is huge amounts of pressure and that will have an impact on your mental fitness yeah and i think one of the things i've seen jana do really well is link mental fitness to performance Mm -hmm. because we've seen uh, lots of sports clubs start to use rko and the first thing we've seen is that 
people don't originally want to talk about mental health or mental fitness because they think they might get dropped from the team because mm-hmm. they're seen as weak. But once it becomes about fitness, they see it as a chance to improve their fitness just like their physical fitness. It's, again, it's that connection that you're talking about, isn't it? Yeah. And I think the thing is, this is about, you know, this is about obtaining optimum mental fitness. This isn't just a tool for people who are struggling. This is a tool for all of us. Yeah. Um, and we should all be in charge of it. Um, and we should all use something, a tool to increase our mental fitness. Because actually, that that's when you, the quality of life that you experience, regardless of what changes around you, the quality of life you experience when you are mentally fit and at optimum mental fitness is so much better. Yeah. Everything is easier to deal with. Everything, relationships, stress. Yeah. Everything is easier to deal with and everything becomes enjoyable because you're mentally fit, you're in control of everything. Yeah. Um and I don't mean in control of everything like, you know, too much control. No. I just mean you get to enjoy the ride. Yeah. I think using that myself the thing I've noticed is the correlation between the different things. So like I'm going to meet some friends for drinks tonight and I know that if I drink tonight I'll probably get late night food. I'll sleep less, I'll have more coffee in the morning, um, and then I'll eat terribly tomorrow, which in in short spurts is fine, but by just tracking it, it makes sure I go, right, okay, I'm just going to chill out on Friday and Saturday, which in the past I might have thought, oh, that's a bit boring, it's Friday and Saturday. Now, because I track, I just I just monitor things a little bit more. Yeah, and I think that that's another <laughs> thing that I, I speak to a lot of people, I'm like, I'm not here to tell you, like, don't drink, don't eat bad food. I'm here to be like, look, you know, track it and then make your own decisions. We're all grown-ups, we're all intelligent. Yeah. Like, it's up to you what you do. Um, you know, it doesn't. I don't care if you take substances or whatever, I don't care, but just know what happens to you and then plan your life around it so that you don't end up self-destructing. And actually, yeah. you don't uh, end up causing problems in other people's lives. You know, like, I caused huge issues for other humans when I became ill. And, you know, I think that's something that we don't pay enough attention to. You know, we're all like, oh, let's take care of everyone. And yeah, let's take care of everyone. But also that person has a responsibility, if you do become that ill, to get better yeah. and to take charge as much as they can, you know. And, and I, you know, people will say, oh, I work with people who are very unwell. So I, I do work with both spectrums. And, you know, really, when I, you know, there was a, I didn't brush my teeth for three weeks. Three weeks I yeah. didn't brush my... To be honest, when I look back, I'm like, that's an achievement because I can't get through half a day without brushing my teeth <laughs> now. But, you know, like, there was a time in my life where brushing my teeth was the best thing I could do for myself. Yeah. So everything is in, you know, that there is a perspective that everyone needs to take with this, but it really is about you being in control and, and understanding yourself. And I don't know, that I feel very passionately about people taking control themselves regardless of where you are on the spectrum and i think um i just want to give a shout out on on that element to a guy uh daniel newman from green squid who we basically have no money for this company until we started getting investors in and i put a bit in etc but dan basically built the first version of the app which is now live but one accident that happened via this app being built in uh Jada's brain and dan putting live is the visual of it so what's what fl- what wasn't planned, which has happened, is everyone started sharing their Arceo score on social media, haven't they? Yeah. I've done it, you've done it, yeah. and it's spread this thing virally. But I think even if even if you stop tomorrow, the thing that you've achieved is more people are comfortable to talk about their mental fitness to to strangers. 
Yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? And I, I love people playing with it. So people have, like, when their score's gone down, they've put little gifts of people skiing down the score and being like, uh-oh, it's gone <laughs> down. And, like, uh, people sharing their scores based on the fact that they've gone to a, an office party or had a big, really big night out and being like, oh, my mental fitness has gone down. And um, Or when it's gone up, you're, like, smashing it today. And, yeah. and I think that that's the most important thing. Being playful with it is really important because that's when it becomes fun. I think um, you've allowed that, though, Jenna, because... Jenna always makes the jokes that like you know people just use mental normal in a in normal yeah. English language but as soon as you start getting into mental health you're like oh right I need to I need to stop using all that but because you make so many jokes about it I think your the way that you've done that has allowed people to be playful with with their scores and just put it out there and feel more comfortable so I think good work on that side. thank you yeah. that's why I'm going to keep pushing you to do the stand-up tour yeah I will I will Right, I've got three last questions. It is the 21st of February 2019. We're finishing up. It's 10.51. Three, quick, three very quick questions. Uh, biggest low in your career? Uh, having to take five weeks off as a high-risk suicide patient. Uh, basically just losing my job. Yep. Uh, highest moment in your career? This, launching Arkeo. Amazing. Um, so I, before I go into the last question, I'm just going to say thank you to everyone who's listening. As usual, this podcast is only continu- going to continue as long as one person from each podcast learns or finds something useful. So please message uh, Jana or I and any, any platform from LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, whatever, and give us your feedback. If some, one person has learned from this, we will um, we'll move forward to the third podcast. I'm, um, I'm just going to say thank you to Jana yeah. um, and I'm going to leave the final words to you and let you close what's the biggest learning you've had in your career um, basically taking control of um, yourself and empowering yourself to achieve the things you want to do um, believing in yourself <clears throat> I think believing in myself is the most important thing brilliant I believe in you Jana thank you <laughs> thank, thank you very much <laughs>